0: There's nothing more humbling and inspiring
1: and attractive
0: than witnessing somebody be truly and uniquely exceptional.
1: Except, of course, for their journeys. Maybe it's luck.
0: Maybe it's genetics.
1: Maybe it's work ethic.
0: Scott and I wanted to see if we could discover what makes some of the universe's most incredible humans the successes they've become. And ultimately, find out exactly how they became
1: Ugh, it's so, so good. good. <laughs> Hi, hey guys. Hi. What's up? Welcome to UGG. Oh, you're so oh, you're good. you're so good. <laughs> where we interview <laughs> the best of the best, people who have succeeded. I
0: feel like whenever we ask them to this podcast, we don't tell them the title. I and never hear like, the title. They're shocked. Oh, do you even know what you're
1: doing right now? No. Our guest today is an amazing amazing actor and hilarious and he's eating his phone right now Bubba. Bubba's
0: eating his phone brilliant singer uh, uh, you might know him from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt or from Broadway or from 30 Rock or from uh just like any endless video of you on YouTube that I stalked where your voice is like upsettingly
1: beautiful. <laughs> and I just found out that um he's been a fan of Pentatonix since 2012 <sighs> which makes my heart sore. Full. We have Titus Burgess everyone.
2: Hi guys. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thanks this gorgeous Octobery y day. I know
0: we're on our Brooklyn roof. Is of that my- an apple tree? Yeah, so my cousin... Oh, are you fucking kidding me? My cousin's boyfriend is just like a green thumb hippie, basically. And we're like on their roof. And he like has been like... You should have seen this in the summer. It was like overflowing with that's tomatoes.
2: and brilliant and yeah. nuts.
0: I know. Um, But it's because we're so COVID conscious. We're out on a rooftop being...
2: That corona being responsible. life. Being responsible. <laughs> that corona life. Okay, um, should we,
1: what's the first question? Well,
0: I had a question that's like kind of like a full-on question. I Like I said, I was stalking you all week and I, I read this in your interview where you said that um, like on your last day of 30 Rock, you went back and like in your apartment were like praying oh, to yeah. be on mm-hmm. another, like to be a series regular on another show. Yeah. And then on your first day of Kimmy Schmidt, like your trailer was parked outside of that apartment. Is that true? Yeah.
2: Um. So me and Broadway were like in, in couples therapy. Right. Like I, I had began to like sort of mourn the fact that I no longer felt I was in the epicenter of my purpose. Mm. And I didn't know what that meant. And I also didn't know if I was mourning uh, the loss of that purpose or if it was growing pains. And right. I was about to make room for something.
0: I feel like that's why couples therapy is such a good metaphor because I feel like that's when people go to couples therapy. They're like, "Is this over, or are we just transitioning yeah, exactly. into something
1: <laughs> no, else?" Exactly we have to figure something
0: out. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I, I, I gained like so many um, tools from all of those questions because you shouldn't be afraid of the word transition. Yeah. Um, it can lead to and mean a multitude, right, uh, of things. When I got to New York, I only dreamed of being on, on Broadway. Right. Like, I wanted nothing more. And I, then you did it. And then I did it. Yeah. yeah. And, and what was the point you felt
1: like, I don't think I enjoy this as much as… Very good. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> I was doing Guys and Dolls, and I was miserable. Mm. And that Why? was the first role on Broadway that I had gotten that I didn't audition for. It was, it was sort of the Why? start of like Offer yeah. Only. Right And uh, And you didn't enjoy it? I did enjoy it. And why? why? Um, Well, I did enjoy it for a couple of reasons. Not to go into a whole diatribe about Guys and Dolls, but (laughs) we moved the setting, the time period, into the time period where uh, the Runyon stories were actually written. So I think it was set like maybe 20 years prior to when
1: Mm.
2: Guys and Dolls was originally intended the time period that it's intended for. Oh, okay. Which, okay, fine. So, but what I had trouble reconciling was I was the only black principal in a sea of white people in mm. New York City. Mm. And in the 30s, where we had set this particular iteration of Guys and Dolls, um, I could not... F- so together, why I would be hanging out with all these right. white folks.
1: Oh, so you couldn't get into the character. So I couldn't get it into the character. was yeah. really I was like,
2: this is not a oh, thing. Oh,
1: interesting. So yeah.
2: there was that. And then I felt like, well, that's going to make my performance ring false. Right. Um, and my director, uh, Des McEnough, who I love and mm. I, I credit with, truly have taught me everything I know um, about theater. Um, watching him give notes to people and create all these things, he has a very specific point of view. But this particular point of view, I couldn't get on board with. And yeah. it was it was a job that I probably should have said no to. Only it was Des, so I was like, "Well, I'm right. do and it's it is your first job, you know, it was right?" I, no, it wasn't my first job. That was my fourth job. Oh. it was your um, first like offer only. Yes, first. Oh, only. Yes. It like another level. Um, and so there was that. And then I began to feel what I call the big black woman that stops the show syndrome. Mm. I kept getting offered jobs that only wanted me to come on and like scream D's, E's, and F's. (laughs) And then uh, you wouldn't see me for the rest of the show. And I was like, man, fuck this. I'm way more interested than all these other motherfuckers. Um, So I was like, I told my then agent, I was like, put a pause on this. I want to be on TV. And this bitch told me, you don't have any Tonys. You don't have any, and I had no TV credits at the time. Um, she goes, so this is not really a, a, a plausible uh
0: I hate when people say things like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I hate that. I'm like there's Dream always like, this, like very like like over overly like cautious. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, first of all all of this is ridiculous. Like all me of it coming is, and doing any of this is impossible. Yeah. So please don't come at me and exactly. be like, well, that dream is too crazy. I'm exactly. like, what? Oh, says yeah. who? Uh-huh. Of, what exactly. do you mean? I'm already doing this one. All it like- meant was this hoe
2: <laughs> did not have the reach. <laughs> right. Right. So right. you didn't, you couldn't get me in, into casting directors or something like that. So I was like, fine. So I fired her. Um, <laughs> and um, I was with my manager and, and, and lo and behold, comes along a, a, an under five for 30 Rock. I won't bore you with all of that. But the point is, once I got a taste of TV and what was required, mind you, I had no idea. And I I'd, I'd sincerely mean I had no idea what I was doing.
1: Was 30 Rock <laughs> your first TV gig? Yeah. Wow.
2: Like, wow. No clue. <laughs> and I was mortified. And truly though, circling back to source, the the fervor for which... I pray for things and the clarity with which I try to apply to the thing that I'm praying for, Mm -hmm. I think the result is there was no other way to get it to me, but to throw me into the deep end. And so into the deep end, I went and was filming with all these giants and picked up all these glorious, wonderful techniques and you know, learned the the lay of the land, and that was sort of in the middle of guys and dolls and then guys and dolls in it, and I had like a couple more seasons on thirty Rock and then after that it was crickets yep. and on my last day of thirty rock, I went home, got on my knees and prayed I was like, God, you know I now feel uh, the butterflies, that, that thing that I felt when I first got to New York, Mm. when, when theater was ahead of me and and I had Mm -hmm. no Broadway credits, I now feel that for another medium, perhaps all of this was to prepare me for what was to come. And so I made a whole list of things that I would do if I were given the opportunity to. Um, And five years later, uh, because there was a, I don't want people to think that, you know, these asks are immediate. immediate. There was a right, lot more right. things yeah, that were sewn yeah. into the contract. There was like quite
1: a journey along yeah. with it, right.
2: That spiritual contract came with a whole bunch of um, line items. So I um, waited and waited and waited and, and then got this job for for Kimmy and got, let me roll back to where I prayed for that job. It was on 47th Street between 8th and 9th in Midtown, in Hell's Kitchen, where I discovered you... Oh search. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, and I um, was told to report to 52nd Street between 8th and 9th and that someone would walk me into my trailer and my trailer was literally outside the front oh. door hey. of the apartment building where I prayed for this God, moms. that gives me chills. Yes, that yeah. gives me
1: chills still. It's true. That's it's being that's connected amazing. to the source. It's manifesting. Absolutely. I feel like you're a pro at that. <laughs> Abs-
0: <well. laughs> and I love the fact, I love how you're like, these asks aren't immediate. Like I think like that's, maybe like the one of the hardest parts about, not just the entertainment industry, but like following anything, it's like you have to kind of like sow the seeds for years from yeah, now. absolutely. Like, you know, there's that, I've heard that like metaphor a million times of like when you plant a seed, like plants, like you plant a seed and then it takes however long to like see well, yeah. the fruits, you know? I, I liken you know. it
2: to being on uh, a diet. Say today I decide to, Workout. Um, I'm. I'm not going to have lost 20 pounds tomorrow. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, And even liposuction doesn't. uh, (laughs) Give you that immediate thing. It is an investment, and it takes uh, time. Is the main ingredient. In it, but totally, you know, the- that's
0: amazing. Obama just said something really similarly about voting. I just watched this video of him being like, "It's kind of like going to the gym. Like you go to the gym once, you come back, you're like, why don't I don't, don't I look like the Rock?" And he's like, "You're not going to look like the Rock today. The point is, you're investing in something." He's he was being like, voting in one election it's not going to change everything, but it's a start to like an progress. An investment for <laughs> your future.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Whatever. That just was a weird serendipitous moment. Nope. Yeah. It felt like sharing, but... <laughs> I
1: love it. So when you booked Kimmy Schmidt, I mean, that must have felt amazing. Yeah. Um, it did. It felt... Because that show took off. Like, it was
2: such a smash. It's so good. It, it, it felt great. It was great. I mean, I... I... What was the audition process like? Um, I had one audition... Um, and, but I knew I had that job. Yeah. (laughs) Is the character
0: already called, named Titus?
2: Yes, but I don't know if that role was written for me, but I'll tell you this. Well, what are the chances? My (laughs) manager sent me this, the breakdown, and it said, seeking the role of Titus in Dramadon. An out-of-work actor, wanting to be a Broadway star, delusional. um, (laughs) And then it said, uh, living in a basement apartment in Harlem. I was living in a basement apartment oh, in Harlem, my and could not get a job on Broadway. And oh, and that's the other thing. In the five year interim, right, I couldn't get work.
0: Weird. At Weird. All. Yeah. So. Oh my god! That's just, crazy. That, but I love that because I just think it. You know, it just I keep I'm repeating myself, but it's like this podcast is all about getting good at stuff. Like we just find people who are the best at stuff oh and try god. and get find out how they did it, and then also try and get them to gossip, maybe whatever. That's the whole premise of the. Of the <laughs> and and I love that that like little piece of your story because I think that a big, big ingredient to getting great at something is like, the patience and the yes. willpower to get through the low periods in and the,
1: it. And the understanding that there's seasons in anything. Totally. Like there's going to be seasons where you're thriving, Man. seasons yes, where you're doing terribly, seasons. seasons where you're more fit, seasons where you're not Absolutely. fit. And, like, and not, like, judging that and being, like, this is my new reality
2: and it's forever. Or it's even like, knowing
0: that that the winter season is, like, in, very important for the summer season. Like, one doesn't exist yes. without the other.
2: Absolutely. You know? You, can, you cannot misinterpret the space in between. And you cannot... Judge a lull or inactivity, uh, and in fact, those words are terrible, right? Um, because it, it it gives the perception that your season of uh, what the world will call inactivity is actually your season of rest. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's preparing it's you for the next season. Mm-hmm. absolutely. And
0: like input, maybe you know, I always think yeah, about that. Absolutely. Like when I'm when I'm writing songs, I'm a singer songwriter, when I'm writing all the time. There comes a point where you're kind of like lacking in. Like content, you need like some input. Right, you're you need looking some at your, life. your
1: Instagram story. You're like, I haven't posted enough. Right, <laughs> like, totally. <yeah>. No, <laughs> it's 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 about trust. I always love the the quote: "Trust the pause." Oh, live I like that fun. too. Like, trust the pause. Like, don't li- be afraid li- of
0: space. It's it. yeah. kind of a singing metaphor too. You know, it's like don't be afraid of of space. You don't have space. to fill every,
1: riff in every single yeah. song. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're, your family is everyone an artist in your family? Where does your no. voice come from?
2: Um. Oh, sister, I don't know. Um, My mom sings. My grandmother sang. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two cousins a lot younger than I am who sing. But I don't know. And no one sings on my dad's side. This is all on my mom's side. Yeah. No one sings on my dad's side. Um, So I'm not really—I don't know.
0: When did you first feel the call to perform in any way?
2: Um— I am an only child, and so I sang a lot with my mom, or did everything with my mom, or whatever. And she would drag me to all these fucking churches, <laughs> and we would sing it in the opening of an envelope. And but everyone was so excited about the opening of the envelope. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of, you know, I don't know that I felt the call to sing, but I knew that singing did something to the people who were listening. Mm. And it was mm. that thing Interesting. that
1: made me. Ugh,
0: same. Oh my God, it's the, the connection. Yeah, yeah,
1: the like making people feel a certain way. Totally. Yeah.
0: And the feeling of like, we're strangers, but we're sharing something Absolutely. right now. And because I'm doing this thing, make, I can kind of affect how you feel. Is it's like, wizardry. Woo, it's, yeah, yeah it's it powerful. is wizardry. It's such a magic trick. It I always really feel that is. way. Like a party trick. Like, you know, like when someone doesn't know you're a good singer, and then you like stand up and sing, and they're all like, it, change, it can change. Right. People who hate me can suddenly like me. It's crazy. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, I also love attention. That's yeah. why I love singing. Uh, <laughs> so you said that you like grew up in the churches, were singing in church. You're still a very religious person. Like, How has that been with being gay? Like, how has that relationship been?
2: I've never had to reconcile that. Other people did. It was always <laughs> yes. someone else's problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. And I felt that from a very, very early age. And I said earlier, I, my trajectory has not... Been like some of our brothers and sisters who Ryan. would be spiritual uh, people or would subscribe to sorts or would find sanctuary and community in organized religion um, are thwarted because of um, you know people in, yeah. uh, in, in positions of power who misuse that platform and who don't even understand it themselves. Totally so like 100%. You know, I I'm not I didn't have that problem. My mom um, had. Um, Trouble with it early on At first yeah.
1: um, Most moms
2: but, too You know <laughs> But like Honestly even with her I was like Sis you gotta figure this out I just did not have time for it There were other things <laughs> That amazing. I I needed to To do I was trying to get to New York I was yeah. trying to like Figure out you're like I got, know, a right? I to got start. things to do, yeah, and I, and I don't even know. I mean, I say New York, but I don't. Even, I I just knew that I had other things that were more pressing than. I, my, I always I have this little motto. It's called I don't have time to convince you. Mm. Yeah, I
1: love, that. I love <laughs> that. That's the title of this That's, podcast. I know. Yeah, we don't have time to convince you. <laughs> I feel that way about being gay too. I'm like, I really don't want to like explain yeah, it. I don't
2: have yeah. time. <laughs> if you want to learn about it, go read. Do your research. This is my go, my boyfriend.
1: Go, you can read you online. Can,
2: yeah. <laughs> I like, I I don't got time. <laughs> and it has been so empowering. And so and and even the motto unto itself has, has guided me and lured me more into me mm-hmm. because it, 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 the feeling of being led to do something, feeling of being called, I feel like the calling itself often says to me, Titus, I don't have time to convince you, but this is what you're about to embark on, brother. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so um, wow. that's the way that, so, uh, you know, me and God have always been thick as thieves. You know, she's she's my dog. Like, yeah. Yeah. you Come know what she... I mean? Like, it's not, it just, and she ain't got time to convince these of either. That's why everybody out here in the street is acting crazy because they need convincing. Just relax and know that there are some things you may not understand. Right. It doesn't make it not true. It
1: doesn't make it not real. It doesn't make right. it right.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: I love that. I love
2: that. I, I
0: love that.
1: I already am thinking that that's the trailer for this, this podcast. <laughs> we are, that's the snippet
0: we're using for I'm promo. I like star that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, okay, so you're, but you're from Georgia, uh-huh, correct? And uh-huh. do you ever go back? Do you have a yeah. connection to the South? Do you feel Southern?
2: Yes. Yeah. I do. I do. Um, my my entire family's in Georgia. Right. Um, um, and I feel—it's funny. When I was there growing up, I never felt like that was my home. Mm-hmm. And when I got here, I relieved that sigh of relief that there were— Other aliens. Um, Once I connected and figured out um, what my artist community uh, was like, then New York City started not to feel like it was my home, Mm -hmm. and I just began to. I now sort of feel like um, what do you call the uh, uh, gypsy? Mm -hmm. Like you know, I just I kind of my spirit feels ever transient, and and so I don't know if I'll ever. And I'm forty one. You know, I don't know if I'll ever have that sense of belonging here on earth. And I always tell my uh, shaman, I was like, girl, give me all the tools you can because I don't want to come back. Like, I want to finish it up this time around. I want to check it off. Because and I'm a Pisces, so it's like mm-hmm. the end of the thing, and yeah, I just the
0: the, yeah, we're, we're going to Aquarius. We're going to yeah,
2: exactly. I right. heard about
0: this and that. Apparently, it's, we're going from like a masculine. Isn't Pisces more supposed to be like a, more of a masculine? Um, the it Aquarius is more of a feminine. Yes,
2: yes, and and so I, I just sort of I have always felt this obligatory sense of empathy and sort of this involuntary need to repair mm, things yeah. around me. And it's exhausting.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: but
1: what I really respect about you is please. that you're on this constant journey of growth. You're like, what's next? What's next? Right. How can I grow? How can I be better? How can I repair? And I think that that's uh, an inspiring thing. Okay. It can be exhausting, I'm sure. Yeah. But, but it's, it's amazing. Right. I just saw a viral tweet yesterday. It's a really simple tweet, but it like, yeah. resonated with, with people. It was like, do what you want. Always. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, honestly, that's deep. That's deep. That's yeah, really I mean, like it. it is actually pretty deep. That's, that's kind of brilliant.
0: <laughs> Wait, I have a question about the Aquarius Pisces thing. Uh-huh. Is, because I know nothing my brother was just telling me about that, but is the idea that we're ending this like Pisces era into an Aqu- into an Aquarius era mean that like 2020 is like the last desperate, gra- like breath of a dying something, and we and that it's gonna get better. I I'm looking for some optimism. You're looking for some optimism. <laughs> me.
2: No pressure. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that, but but what I are you my shaman? <laughs> <laughs> As of right now. As of right now. Um, what I do know is that in my own life, my astrologer um, Caitlin was saying that um, I'm in the year nine which mm-hmm. is the year of purge. Um, mm-hmm. And that she was like, for these last three months, you got to be really, really, really clear about, I mean, you should always be clear about your intentions, but because the seeds that you sow, essentially, as you wrap up this year nine, will set the... The tone for the next nine years. I'm like, oh shit, bro. That's yeah. some pressure. That's some pressure. <laughs> so I'm up here cleaning a house. You read yeah. Yeah. You're stressing me I'm out. I'm treating everyone with respect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving to charities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing this karmic energy. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. You won't find me struggling no more nine years. No. Uh, no. Yeah.
0: Which I was actually going to ask you, like in those like lower periods, like, w- w- like those five that five years between. Broadway and and TV and whatever. Like, what did you was there any like mantra you had for yourself? Was there any like anything you told yourself to kind of keep you moving
2: forward? I got you. So what's funny to me is that I'm known as an actor and not as a singer. Because my degree is in music. Mm -hmm. And I never thought- I think everyone knows
1: you can sing though. Yeah. Sure.
2: But like I thought I was kind of New York to have a career like yours. Like, no. I, I, that's that's what I thought was going to happen. Um, I, wow. w- when I got here, I got an agent really fast and then I was like, oh, I want to be on Broadway. Right. So then that was the tra- trajectory. But when I was in college, you know, once I figured out I was not going finna- to teach no children. <laughs> um, and I would be in jail. Same. <laughs> I was like, get me out of here. Uh-huh. I remember watching March to, uh, to my advisor. i like, girl, what do I have to do to just get a general music degree? Like, fuck this education part. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, actually, you're, you, you can drop a class and you'll be done at the end of the semester. So anyways.
1: You're like, great. I, yeah, I'm like,
2: great. Sign me up for that. <laughs> so, but I've always written music and always thought that that was mm-hmm. going to be uh, the goal. So while I was Meditating on wanting a TV gig, I had nothing but time to write right. music. And, you know, I thought, well, I'll give this a shot or whatever. And very quickly was reminded of the horrors of the music industry. But <laughs> the, the one thing I always say to myself that has been a, a gorgeous constant reset for me is uh, a phrase that uh, this. Gorgeous Buddhist friend of mine, Karine Plantadi, said to me, and I don't know who is responsible for the phrase, but she said it to me, and it's, you have nothing to prove, only to share. Mm. And it just relieves that. you, mm. yep. it alleviated all the responsibility that I felt to convince you. Yeah, what a you. relief. Yeah, I, I, I was about like to bring up convincing. I, I was
1: like, it's in the same world. I love world. that.
0: I, I feel like I have one written down on like one of my little like notes that I look at sometimes that says, be interested, not interesting. Don't Ooh. try and be interested. Try that. and be interested. Yeah.
2: Stay curious. That's, yes. yeah. <laughs>
0: and when you're singing for somebody, I mean, I learned this, like, um, I've been thinking about it a lot recently because I think singing to the internet feels a lot like opening for people. Like, I've done a lot of tours opening for people. And it's the same kind of feeling if they're like, do they even care? Do they hate me? Uh, I hope they're nice in the knows? comments. Yeah, like, we'll it's see. a similar kind of, like, I feel like I need to try harder, but I've had to really work to not try harder because the most interesting thing is if I'm interested in what I'm saying, The ironic
1: part is the less you try hard, the more they're going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody
0: wants you to get up there and try and convince them, like you're saying, to like pay attention. You just want... To see somebody like go through some beautiful artistic expression of yeah. something, and you I find know? that
1: people are most the time rooting for you. Like totally. I, I'm always like like because we just did this performance at the Naval Academy, and I was like, none of them are going to be fans of Pentatonix, and it's going right. to be so awkward, and they're going to be like, I wish Diplo was here, not this lame <laughs> acapella group. And then like we got there, and everyone was like lifting their chairs above their head and dancing, and I was right. like, oh wait, uh, why, love why it. do I sabotage especially myself now. before I even get there? Well,
2: because yeah, it's <laughs> a course, especially yeah. now, but like. I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in the business of the business whether it's TV or music or whatever but particularly in music you forget that music unto itself has a thing mm. an energy a, yeah. a that will make people they may not be rooting for you, but they're rooting for the energy yeah, of the music. They're feeling the serotonin. Oh, feeling something. <laughs> yeah, it's just feeling serotonin. Absolutely. Don't you think
0: concerts— I mean, I hope concerts are just going to be so lit when— oh, like, They like, will like, be. Concerts will be off the chain, right? Like No, or, yeah. Like, this
1: was like a socially distanced thing with the Naval Academy, but they were lit. They yeah. were like so <laughs> no, thankful had, to be listening to live music. I got these
0: videos last night. Um, I made a video for this, like some radio station had a car concert but all on a screen, like in California. So I sent him like, it's like literally me on my iPhone. I recorded it into Logic, but it's like very lo-fi. And it's and then they like projected on the screen and they showed it, it's just like hundreds of people in their cars, like, yeah. So I'm like, that's so sad, but nice that you, get, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, when the real thing comes back, like aren't they gonna be, hopefully. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be wild. Imagine raves. Oh my God. <laughs> Speaking of raves, should we do our drink moment?
1: All right, you guys, it's time for my sweet angel of a boyfriend slash mixologist on the show, Mark Manio, to make a drink. Time for a drink. boyfriend. Time to get wasted.
0: There couldn't be less pressure, but we have a theme about this podcast where mm-hmm. Scott and I came up with this idea at dinner because we were talking about ambition and work ethic and our dreams, and we were also... A little tipsy and gossiping. Oh so, every that. episode, we like to bring a drink that we think is our guest. Our guest. This one's
1: definitely and on it, the nose. <laughs> with, I this mean, quite this on is a nose. little bit obvious, but like, <laughs> Pinot Noir! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's and you one of the most iconic parts of the show. is. Even and yeah, and
0: it, I, even if it wasn't so on the nose, I would still think Pinot Noir would be right for you because oh, you feel like, Deep and like calm collected, collected, but like expensive feeling. Like it just feels like
2: (laughs) that's
1: lovely.
0: So we have a little bit.
1: Spot on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, that concludes part one of our conversation with the amazing Titus Burgess. Be sure to tune in next week for part two.